Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. I recently finished a book that I loved and that deeply impacted me, also made me laugh. I love any book, especially if it makes me laugh on one page and cry on another. I think that that is really the mark of a good book. And I get to have the author of this book in studio today, Cynthia Yanoff. She wrote the book, Life is Messy, God is Good, Sanity for the Chaos of Everyday Life. And y'all, I think... I just connect with her so much in so many ways. We have a lot of similarities in some of our journey. And I love that she also brings so much humor into everything that she shares. And she doesn't come across as she has it all together, but she is firmly planted in the truth that God is good. So Cynthia, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so fun to be here. Second time I've been in your studio. I'm just on the other side of the mic this time. Yes. And I would love, we were talking ahead uh, before we started recording just about you being an older mom and you have this journey that you probably never, when you set out on your motherhood journey, could have ever seen that it would look like this, I'm assuming. Yeah, right. Not in the plan to be like doing menopause and like first grade room mom at the same time. Like no one signs up for that, but that's kind of where we landed. So here we are. So tell me a little bit, you talk a lot in the book and people just need to get the book to read it, but give us like some of the high points of this journey that you bet on. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I have, uh, I have a high schooler. Well, let's start at the top. I have a college kid, I have a high school kid and I have a first grader. So kind of like you, like it's two different lives. And, and I think that I would say the highlight has been obviously foster care. That's been one of my very favorite things. The Lord called us to one of the very hardest things we've ever been called to not one of the things I would have signed up for. In fact, when we started this process of foster care, I'm like, are we sure, Lord? Like, I think that's for like really spiritual people. And like, we let our kids play select sports on Sundays. I don't think we're like the people that you're looking for, but just along the way, being able to look back, even like at the midpoint, you know, at the 50 year mark and say, okay, like life has not gone as scripted. It has not gone as planned all the time, but I do know God has been in it. He's been good and he has been with us and for us. And there's a whole lot of places that I would have taken some things away. Some places I would have said, like, did we have to walk that? But I'm able to now, with a little bit of perspective, um, look back and say, yeah, okay, like I'm seeing it now. Not all of it, but I'm seeing, Lord, what you've been doing. And there's just a gift of having some years under your belt, a little perspective. And as you know all too well, you get a little older and you care a lot less about the things. Like, right? Like, I died on some pretty serious hills. Um, I had some hills to die on with my first and maybe even my second that now I'm like, who cares? And so there is freedom now as I'm Mm -hmm. doing this again. So some of the highlights have been good. I hear from so many moms that are saying, you know, I'm 40 something and I'm just thinking like, do I have it in me for one more baby? And Mm. I always just like, you know, however God leads, but I can see that this journey of having these three older ones and these three younger ones that I'm just such a different mom. Like you said, I mean, it's just, there are so many things that just, they don't matter. And so many things that I feel like I missed. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, because I was so focused on getting everything right. Yes. That now I just, 
am a lot more relaxed and I just can enjoy and really celebrate and savor. And so I, yeah. I love that you talked about like this 50, you know, with the 50 year mark, or I think that's what you said. I did. <laughs> I did everyone. I said it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That you have this perspective and I, and I think you bring that so much in the book. And I, I really appreciated that. I wanted for you to start by, I loved you talking about your foster care journey and how it was one of the hardest things you'd ever done. Yeah. And yet God used it for so much good. And and there's a lot of people who are listening who they're never going to be called to foster care, but yeah. God is calling them to step out in faith and do mm-hmm. something that feels like they don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. They aren't enough. Speak to that person and tell us a little bit about how God really stretched you and showed himself strong in that journey. Yeah. That's the thing uh, I think about when God calls you to something. For us, it was foster care for you and I both. And and I, and I we all know that's not everybody's journey. But I do believe firmly that the Lord's calling us all to walk spaces that maybe we're not interested in walking or we're not comfortable in walking. And so I would say, you know, sometimes we just need to go and do that and have confidence in the fact that the Lord's calling us to it. People ask me all the time, like, how did you know with foster care? And it's almost like, how did I not know? Every single thing I saw or read, every sermon preached, I was like, suddenly about foster care. I would get a mailer and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like um, another foster care um, notice. And so for me, it became evident what it was. And it was a decision point of like, am I going to be obedient or am I not going to be obedient? Literally, that's what it was. And um, so we, we walked forward in that. And I would just encourage you, like one of my kids said in the middle of foster care, somebody had asked me and they were like, Hey, would you do it again? I'm like, I don't know. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And one of my kids said in that moment, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not right. Mm. And that stuck with me. Like that's, isn't that like a life lesson just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not right. And, and so I would just encourage you, whatever your thing is, like don't dismiss foster care. Or or as we talk about that, it's like, well, I'm not called to that. We're called to something. And we live in a culture that desperately needs us to be willing to stand alone in the things God calls us to do. And for us, the Lord was saying like, you're going to stand alone in foster care. We didn't know people that were doing foster care. We didn't have friends that were doing it. Um, and, And even people that we loved, people that love us would say like, are you sure? Like, have you really thought about this? And it was so evident that we were to stand alone and to go do the thing that God called us to do. And, and I say this in the book, but you know, um, I, I always, my synopsis is, I went in scared of what it did to our family. I mean, I was scared of what it would look like financially, spiritually. What would it do to our bio kids? Like on every level that you can be scared of something, I was like, oh my gosh. And I went into it scared of what it might do to our family. And I came out of it scared of who we would be if we had not. We're changed people. You're changed people when you do the things that God calls you to do. And he's with you. And so you don't you don't sit in CPS offices with kids that everything they own is in a trash bag. You don't sit there and walk away unchanged. And so it's my encouragement is like, mm-hmm. Be scared of who you would be if you don't follow the things God has for you. Mm, that is powerful. And you talked about, you know, your child saying, like, sometimes it's really hard. Like, God calls you to things that it's not easy. And I, I do think sometimes there's this belief that if God's calling you to it, it's like the path is going to be just cleared out and it's going to be so easy. Whereas I think, you know, Scripture talks about God giving you light for the next step. and. Yeah you know, maybe feeling like the step after that is like a big chasm that you're going to drop into. I mean, it can feel like that sometimes when you're stepping out in faith and you just have no idea where it's going to lead. And you know that your heart might get 
ripped in shreds Mm -hmm. in the process. Mm -hmm. And yet God's calling you take the next step. And so I loved, I loved how you talked about just doing that thing. And you have seen, you share your daughter wrote this beautiful college paper and talking about how it impacted her. And you were telling me before we started recording about what she's involved in now. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking of something and and yes, I'll definitely share on that. But I think the thing is, is that we have to remember like, um, we are told in the Bible, like we are God's favored people. And if we are favored, like I like favor when it looks like, um, like better jobs. I like favor when it means my kids are making good decisions, like all that's what I like favor to look like. But Biblically speaking, tip, you see that God's favor doesn't typically look favorable in the moment. And so that's part of the rub. Like it feels like wrong time, wrong place when you're called to things. Surely did for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you really want me to have a little one? I'm like now almost 50. Are you kidding me? But that's the thing about like God's favor. It may not look favorable in the moment. And that's where a little bit of faith comes in. Like, okay, there's a bigger picture here. And so, yes, with my, I, I've loved it watching with my older kids because my older kids walked the whole process. And listen, it was not like we went into this process and I was like, put together and polished. And this is what God called us to do. And we're going to do. No, I was a wreck, mm-hmm. a wreck. And I mean, I cried. I'm not a crier. Typically I cried almost every day of our foster mm-hmm. care journey. It was so hard and gut-wrenching. And um, we, my kids would laugh because if I was wearing sunglasses, like if the friends were over, I'd have sunglasses on sometimes in the house because I didn't want to be that freaky mom. They're like, why is she always crying over there? Um, and so they'd always be like, oh, it's a sunglasses in the house day. But listen, I, I, I mean, the thing is, is now my kids, they are changed because of it. My daughter who's in college, she does um, Young Lives, which is a branch of Young Life. And so she drives around teenagers that have had, um, in high school that have had babies or pregnant, she takes them to their appointments. She babysits. She's been cleared with all the background checks to be able to take care of these kiddos. She drives around in college with a car seat in the back. I mean, like nothing screams uncool in college. Like, Hey, I got a car seat back here, but I just love, I mean, she is so all in on the whole idea of a foster care and she wants to adopt someday. We'll see if that's the Lord's plan for her, but, um, it changes the people around you so significantly when you're obedient that like, I look back, I'm like, thank goodness. I gave the most reluctant. Yes. I mean, it wasn't a like, yes, I'm all in Lord. It was like a, Oh, maybe I guess, but like the Lord will take your reluctant. Yes. And he will do mighty things. It's mm-hmm. it's just, that's just the story. Mm. This morning I was reading to our little kids, the story of Abram who became Abraham and, you know, Abraham means the father of nations, but God gave him that name before he had any children. Yeah. And, and it was just in this the little Bible book. It was just talking about how, you know, here God has promised him mm-hmm. these children and promised him these children. And yet there's no children. There's no children. Mm-hmm. There's no children. And yet it says Abram believed God. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking how, you know, you were saying the thing about favor. Favor doesn't look like what we often think it will. And some of the hardest things in our life that you know, I would give anything to be like, just get me out of this situation. I don't want to be walking this journey. This is super challenging. That is the thing that God uses yeah. to change us and shape us. And that if we believe God, that he has called us to this and he is going to be in this and he is not going to leave us alone and he's not going to forsake us in that, that looking back, 
you know, maybe it's going to be years later. Maybe yeah. it's going to be in heaven that then we're going to see God's mm-hmm. plan for that really hard season. And and you talked about the crying. I am the same way. I am not a crier, but I cried buckets and buckets mm-hmm. of tears during mm-hmm. foster care it, because it just it it literally just wrecks you in the most beautiful of ways. Yeah. yeah. And it's you know that break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. I I just feel like that's for me what foster care did to me Mm. and just really has changed my heart and given me so much compassion and empathy and changed me from being someone who's like, why can't you just get your act together? You know, (laughs) to being like, I can't even understand what it would be like to walk in your shoes. hundred percent. So shifting gears, I loved in your book, you talk about friendship. And I think that that's something that a lot of women have really struggled with. And I'd love for you to just share what are some things that you've learned over the years, kind of maybe through the messy, mm-hmm. um, that have helped you to have really strong relationships. I mean, one of your friends is sitting here in the room. She yes. just like said she wanted to come with you. And I think Shout that's the, the beautiful mark of relationships where you said you told her you were going to you know go to Nashville for some interviews. And she's like, I'm coming with you. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. And that's just so beautiful. So tell us um, with the wisdom that you have gleaned over the years, what are some what are some words of advice for the woman who's feeling like I I'm just not good at friendship. I don't know how to make friends, but I'm mm-hmm. so lonely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. I think intellectually we all agree that we need community. We need friendships. We long for deep friendships. I mean, I think we're created that way. God created us that way. But yet, do we take the time to do it? Do we do the things that requires to have the friendships? And I'm going to be honest, like I have not done that in the past. Other things have gotten in the way. But I, I'm naturally extroverted, which helps. Um, that that makes it easier for me. I understand that maybe some other people. But I will say there's a couple of things to consider. One of those is I think generally in life we value the quantity over the quality of things. And I think that's what we do in friendship as well. It's so easy to look around at what we don't have instead of focusing in on what we do have. Like, what is the quality of friendship around you? Who are those people? And so my friend, uh, one of my dear friends, Kay, she told a story about how her daughter went to sleepover. There's like 20 girls there. And three of them, when it was time to go to bed, they, the three, like kind of, I'm air quoting this, the cool girls went and slept in the other room and her daughter got in the car the next day. And she's like, oh my gosh, it was the worst sleepover. The three cool girls went in the other room. And my friend was like, well, yeah, but you were still in the same room with like the 17 others, right? Like, isn't that kind of how it is? Is we start looking at like what girls trip did I get invited to? What whatever party is that? And we get focused on that. And I would say, like, could we dare believe that we gotta lean in just to the three or four around us? And I think most of us have that. And I think about the story in the Bible. Remember the paralytic, the guy who's on the mat, um, and his friends hear that Jesus is coming in town. And so they go and they grab his mat and they take him and they get to the place where Jesus is to try to get healing, and they can't even get in the door. There's so many people. And so, like, they don't give up. They're not like, oh well, we tried. Like they go up on the roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower this man in front of Jesus because they know that is the only way their friend will get healing. And I think about that and I'm like, you guys, those are the friends you need. That You need those four crazy friends. You need the four crazy friends that they show up because they've seen the problem. They don't give up because the room's too crowded. They don't give up because they can't see a solution to the problem. You don't need those four. You need the four that are going to show up and they're going to drag your behind up to solid ground because they want to get you in front of the one, in front of Jesus, Mm -hmm. the one that matters. And so my encouragement is this, find the friends that are believing in your dreams when you don't believe in them. Mm -hmm. Find the friends that are crazy enough to jump on a plane and go to Nashville with you for no reason. Find those people that are going to point you back to the Lord and don't worry about the rest of it. And then be that friend to them as well. Lean into those people. And so that would be, I think, my best advice to start there. If you don't have those two or three or four 
then then you start praying for that. Like the Lord, the Lord will honor that. I've seen him do it time and time again. I pray that over my kids daily. Give them two or three strong friends. And I think that's a great lesson for us individually is like lean into those. Don't worry about the peripheral. And, and if you grew up in church like I did, I kind of always thought that everybody had to love me and accept me and be on the same road with me. Like, and if they didn't, then maybe I was doing something wrong or there's something wrong with my faith. Well, no, listen, like sociologists have shown that we can only stand like handle, like we're created for four or five or six deep connections. And so just like not everybody can be my deep connection, I'm not in everybody else's four or five or six. Doesn't mean they dislike me. Doesn't mean there's some huge problem. I'm doing it wrong. This means I'm not in their top four, five or six. So I would just encourage us, like, don't be valuing quantity over quality, find your people, lean into them, but make sure the people that that are going to cheer you on, they're going to pick up your mat and carry you to higher ground when you need it. Mm. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT, and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin, and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief... I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot 
I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. You have a quote, the fine print of friendship has taught me to make time when there's barely any to be spared, to show up with the most authentic and vulnerable version of myself when it's easier to say everything's fine. Mm. Give us practically. So what does that look like? Like when we're leaning into friendship, I think a lot of women, they haven't had good friendships modeled for them. Maybe their mom didn't really have any friends or their mom was so kind of 
aloof. There was a lot of dysfunction in their childhood that they're like, I don't even, I don't know how to make friends or lean into friendships and build those to be stronger as an adult. What does that look like? Especially when you're feeling like I've got so much on my plate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I learned this best from one of my dear friends, Elaine. And Elaine was, I used to be a lawyer back in the day. Okay. So let's not glamorize that. It was, um, you know, like suits with shoulder pads and nude colored pantyhose. So it's not glamorous by any stretch, but I made really several very dear friends during that time. But one of my friends, Elaine, she was always the most intentional person, like an intentional meaning, like I quit practicing law. I dropped out of the game pretty early and stayed home with my kids. And she always would call and check in. She would drop off diapers when we did foster care. She would call, make sure my daughter got back to college always doing just the intentional things. And it's interesting because um, Elaine was the most connected person I've ever met, yet she never had a social media account, not one. And the thing is, I realized from her, like, listen, you're not going to form deep relationships by scrolling, by watching Netflix. Those, that's not where it comes from. You got to show up. You got to do the things. And, and I figured out that Elaine was such a connector for so many people in the hardest of ways because Elaine passed away suddenly two years ago, had an mm-hmm. aneurysm and she died. And, and I, I think about this with Elaine. I, I sat at her funeral and her husband's up there and they have two, they had two teenage kids at the time when she passed away and her husband's choking out every word of his eulogy of, and trying to honor her. And he said something that always stick with me. He said, when she quit practicing law, she quit a year before her children died about, um, and all the partners in the law firm were like, what are you doing? You have such a promising future, such a promising future. And her husband said at her funeral, she gave up the promising future to live in her cherished present. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens so often with us in friendships is we are chasing after this promising future. And we're like, okay, in the future, like I'll be, I'll have more time for friends. You know, like when, when we have a different job or our finances are better, or my kids are making better decisions, or they're a little bit older, like we're chasing after this promising future and we're missing the cherished present. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, Elaine would say this, live in your cherished present today, because this is the day you've been given. This is the only one you're guaranteed. And so like, you need to send the text. You need to make the casserole, perhaps. You need to maybe forgive some people. You need to say, maybe I'm sorry to some people. Be intentional in the moment. Do it now, assuming you may not have another chance, not to be morbid or depressing about it, but at the end of the day, like today is the cherished present. Mm -hmm. And so I think that would be my, my best word on that is just... Um, there's no formula. I don't know what that is, but we all have the things in our life that we're pushing off for a different time, waiting for our life to look postable or Instagram worthy. It's never going to be everyone. Take it from the oldest mom out there. It's never going to be. So today's the day to do it. And so I just would like to challenge you in that, you know, as you're listening, like whatever that thing is, whatever the friend is, wherever you need to um, maybe buy a little something for someone to tell them you care or, or send a note or send the text or show up like today's the day. Mm. I always think, if you think it, say it mm. or do it. You know, it's, it's so, so often I will think of, oh, oh, I remember they were having this happen this week, but oh, that might be kind of weird to send a text to act, you know, but yeah. I'm like, just send the text mm-hmm. because I know when someone else remembers something in my life and they call it out, you know, either they ask me about something or tell me they were praying for something or thank me for something. Maybe it happened a few years ago and it just came to their mind. Like it means so much and you're never going to regret at the end of your life that you took the time to invest in relationships, even if you did the awkward thing. You know, I always say like you have to experience the awkward before you get to the awesome. And so in relationships, a lot of times that's how it is because it'll be awkward, but 
lean in and keep leaning in and care about people. I, I find putting things on my Google calendar, I use Google calendar for, and you know, for everything, basically yeah. it's my brain. And so if I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh yeah, in two weeks from now, I'm, you know, this thing is mm-hmm. happening. I go put it on my Google calendar. If I say, Smart. I'm going to pray for them, put it on there. And then so that I can check in and remember that day, because if I think I'm going to remember, I'm probably not going to, but if I put it on my calendar, that's I will. Smart. I do too. I put like dates, like I have a friend who lost a child and that's mm. been on my calendar for like 10 years. And I just text her and every year I'm like, am I bringing up something that, well, of course not. Like that's obviously on her mind and just those little things. And, and the flip side is as a recipient of people that are very intentional and thoughtful towards me, I've never once been like, well, that was awkward or why this and that? Like, right. Like it may feel awkward in the moment, but I just can think of almost never where I've been a recipient of someone trying to be intentional where I've been like, well, that got weird. Like it just doesn't happen that way. Yes. That's so good. Okay. So you mentioned in your book, I love this. It made me laugh, but it's so true. You said, I recently heard someone say young moms write how-to books on parenting while older moms write how-to books on prayer. And you were talking about how you pray for your kids and their friendships. And that is so good. I was so convicted when you said that because I thought, that's not something that I'm really actively praying for my kids. That is so good. Tell us how you pray for your kids, what this looks like, and give us some other words of wisdom because I need this. Yeah. Well, I listen, I, I've written like a bunch of prayer journals in the past. And the reason I wrote them was because I was so bad at praying for my kids. Mm-hmm. And I used to run, I used to be like the head of an organization that was all about like Christian kids and parenting. And I was like, this is horrible. Like I'm not good at praying for my kids. And so I literally had to put something in place and write something to help me pray for my kids. So I would just say this, just as you're praying for your kids, just be very specific and intentional. And if you need to like some sort of tool, there's plenty of prayer journals out there, but I would just find one attribute a, a week. And I, that's what I, how I wrote it. An attribute a week was scripture. And I pray that over my kids. I pray that they were like God fearing. I would pray that they were kind. I would pray um, that they would get caught in their sin. That's a big one. Whoo, you pray that. And they will, by the way, you pray that your kids get caught in their sin and you're like, oh my gosh, they're hideous people. Who have I raised? But um, the Lord honors that stuff. So I would just say, be intentional. There's no recipe or formula. I got it right. Sometimes I missed it a lot. I meet people. Sometimes they'll be like, I prayed for my child's spouse every day of their life since they were conceived. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I don't think I prayed for my kid's spouse in the last year. So that's too bad. And so like, just be encouraged. Like there's no right or wrong on that. But if I could like take that a step forward and say one other thing, um, as you're raising kids, here's, um, as, as a mom who's raised a kid, my middle one had some learning differences and, um, with some learning differences came some challenges and friendships when he was younger. It was very, very hard to walk. But I remember, um, I kind of joke about this. I remember I first, like the first time I realized, like we had something going on learning, the school had called and this kid, I was in a private Christian school and they said, Hey, we're going to need to put Brett in the reading club. And I was like, Oh, that's the one club I don't want to be in because if you're in the reading club, it's because you don't read well. And so I was so upset about it, Crystal. And anyway, what was not a big deal. I made a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I'm like crying. I'm like, well, this is the end of the road. He can't read. So we're going to have to drop out of the school and he'll never get a job. And like, I guess I make him comfortable. Like I acting like a nut. And so I got to pick him up. Like I have tears in my eyes and he gets the car and he's like, mom, it's the best day ever. I'm like, oh, and he's like, I got picked for the reading club. Well, I mean, of course, teacher explained it in the most reasonable manner. Thank goodness she got to him before I did. But like in my mind, Crystal, what I was hearing was like, listen, he's going to be set apart. Like he's going to be pulled out. People are going to think he's different, all these things. And I fast forward all these years later, and that was the beginning of some hard academic roads with this kid and some social roads that were difficult in the day. But I fast forward to this kid who's now in high school, and he reads everyone. We're all good. And I'm like, 
thank goodness the Lord didn't strip away the very things I'd asked the Lord to take away. Like he used the things I asked the Lord to take away. He used those to build him into who he is now. He's the hardest working kid. Every coach we meet says that about him in sports. Um, when he works summer jobs, they're like, this is the hardest working kid. Well, it's all he's ever known because school's been so hard for him. He is kind. He's empathetic. He's compassionate. And so I just encourage you in that as you're praying these things over your kids, like believe forward in what the Lord can do through them. Believe forward that maybe if you, if you have kids that don't have the friendships right now, that this can be protection. It feels like punishment, but it can be the Lord's protection. Mm -hmm. And if we could just start believing forward in those hard places, thank goodness the Lord allowed Brett to walk that hard road of learning differences because now I can see, I get glimpses of the man he's going to be. And I'm just so grateful that those were Anna, Anna answered prayers. It felt like, but the Lord was answering him, just not mm-hmm. answering how I prayed. And so that's how I would encourage you is you're praying over friendships for your kids, whatever you're praying over your kids, just believe forward in a God that can do things you can't fathom and you want his plan over yours. Mm-hmm. And so sit back and trust him in the hardest places. I mean, some of the most valuable lessons we've ever taught and learned with our kids have happened on a Friday night when they were the only ones not invited to the party. Mm. And so just trust the Lord in that and, and be consistent in praying for him. Don't beat yourself up when you don't, but um, find attributes, find scripture to pray over him. That's been kind of the biggest game changer for us. Mm. And you said something, you said, sit back. Mm. I feel like as moms or in any relationship, when things aren't going like we wish or hope or want it to be going, we think we need to step in and take charge and fix it. And For sure. that's such a good word to sit back and wait. Oh my gosh. Like I would, I want to be the one. I don't because I'm 50. I'm real tired now, Crystal, but I want to be the one that runs down at school when they don't get the class with their friends. And I want to let the coach have it when they don't play my kid. And I like, it takes everything in me still to this day to sit back and and not call the mom whose kid hasn't been nice, might not do those things. There is an occasion where it is appropriate obviously, to stand up for your kids. But we know the line between advocating for our kids and mama bearing it to death, right? And I've crossed the line more than I care to think about. And now as I'm getting older and uh, hopefully a little bit wiser, I can be like, you know what? Like in that sitting back and that allowing the Lord to work, like there is value in there and arguably like more value than anything I've been saying, doing, working, manipulating, like the Lord has used those places. And so if you can kind of just sit on your hands and your mouth a little bit, I mean, it pays dividends. Mm. And I think this goes along with your book of life is messy, God is good. Sometimes we want to fix things. Like we want to polish things up and tie it up with a bow and make it look really good so that other people will think, wow, they're doing real well as parents. But it's in those messy spaces and those places where it's real hard and it's a struggle and things are not tied up with a bow at all. And you don't know how this is going to end that you really get to experience God. You get to walk by faith because you don't have it all figured out and you get to believe in the character of God, that he is a good God. Mm. As we wrap this up, I would love for you to just share for the woman who you just you have such a heart for her. She's she's in that messy mm-hmm. space and she's really struggling and yeah. she doesn't want to be there. She's like, get me out of here. I don't want this. What words of encouragement do you have for her? 
Yeah. Well, I would just say you're not alone in that. And and it's so easy to look around and feel like everyone else has kind of got it together. And I know we say that a lot, but honestly, I would just encourage you, one, find those authentic, vulnerable friends that are going to say, yeah, I'm walking this with you and it's really hard. Find those people. Do the smart things. If you're in a hard spot, get off of social media. Maybe there's certain people that are not in this season for you. I've had that where there's some friendships. I They're just not healthy for me at this point because of the road I'm walking. And that's okay. I also say it's okay to be lonely sometimes. I think mm-hmm. the Lord shows up in the lonely and in the quiet. And so don't rush yourself out of that season. But then the last thing I would say to challenge you is this, like our story, like our lives are writing a story, whether we like it or we don't like it, our lives are telling a story. And um, I have this friend, Kimberly, that another one I used to practice law with, and she tells um, of how she was home a normal day, nothing going on. She with her two little girls, like five and three. And like, she just all of a sudden, like felt like she had to teach them how to call 911. And like, Crystal, we know, like, it's scary to teach your kids 911. Like you're scared to even get out of the shower on a Tuesday and there's paramedics in the house, right? And she's like, I don't know, they're too young. I can't teach them um, this. But so she went about her day, but then she's like, no, I have to do this. So she went in her game room, got a whiteboard, wrote 911, taught her girls how to get her cell phone, how to call it, let people in the house. Because, you know, we tell them nobody comes in our house, right? So that same day, later in the day, she had a seizure. The first one mm-hmm. she'd ever had, a massive seizure. And her little girl went and got the little younger one, and they ran and got the whiteboard and brought it back and saw the 911 and figured out how to call it. And they called the paramedics and, and the paramedics came and, and her mom's doing well now. But I say this because I feel like that's what God's wanting to do. It's a metaphor for what he's wanting to do in our lives. We have the opportunity in the mornings to get quiet with God. We have the opportunities to listen. Like he's writing through our lives. He's writing information that our culture needs, our kids needs, our families need, and we need to get quiet and listen. And what is it he's trying to write on this whiteboard of our lives? And you know, the thing is about that is when Kimberly was doing it, it didn't make sense to her and it sure didn't make sense to her kids, right? And that's kind of how God operates. Like he's writing things in our lives that may not make sense in the mess, may not make sense at the moment, but he gets it. And hopefully the side of heaven we will, but maybe not until all eternity, But it's information that's critical and it's life-saving for our families, for our culture. And so I just say, lean into the mess, lean into it, ask the Lord, get quiet, ask him to show you like, what's your next step forward? You're not going to get the full picture. He doesn't operate that way, but what's the next step forward that you can do today to be faithful in that? And I would just say, be encouraged. You may not see it now, but that doesn't mean it's not significant. It doesn't matter. He'll use it. Mm, So good. There's so many other things that I'd love to talk to you about that were in this book, but I'm just going to encourage everyone listening. If you have been blessed, touched, inspired, challenged by this episode, go get a copy of Cynthia Yanoff's book, Life is Messy, God is Good, Sanity for the Chaos of Everyday Life. I will give you a 100% guarantee that you are going to laugh again and again and again in this book, but also be deeply encouraged and challenged in those messy spaces, in those hard places that God is good. He is faithful and we can trust Him. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.